And for the rest of us kids at heart, we are glad that you're here, so glad that you've chosen to be with us. And I'm really excited about this series that we are in. This is part two of a three-part series called Different that we're in today. If you weren't here last week, you missed the opener. It was one of those no-frills, tough, tough messages, but very encouraging as we experience problems and difficulties and tough things in our lives. This series is based on the letter that Peter wrote sometime between A.D. 60 and A.D. 65, when things were getting tougher for believers at that time. And so we're seeing parallels there, and very much this letter is addressing our lives as well. And so I hope that um, what we look at today, although it's a very um, challenging message, will be an important one and helpful one to you. So today's title is A Different Calling in a Dark World. A Different Calling in a Dark World. Just how challenging is this series and how challenging is this message? Check out this challenge as we start out. Just jumping into the letter of Peter in chapter 2, verse 21. For God called you, we're talking about a different calling, God called you to do good even if it means suffering. Talk about challenging. That's challenging. Aren't you glad you came today? Called you to suffer, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Now, that calling, that different calling, the word there, called you, is a theme that almost every New Testament writer picks up on, not All of them uses this word, but almost all of them use this word, and over and over and over again. So we need to get a hold of what this means. The word is kaleo, called you, and it means called, named, summoned, invited, and we're going to jump into what exactly does that mean. So let's begin with this. Point number one, God called you to eternity. Now, before we jump into God called you to eternity, we're going to get into how God has called you specifically. And he has called you, summoned you, invited you into following him in a specific way. Now, I entered into ministry over years ago, (laughs) 36 plus years ago, and I began in student ministry. And in student ministry, I used to get this question all the time from all the students um, over and over again. What is God's will for my life? How do I know what is God's will for my life? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? And we used to open up the scriptures and try to understand what God's will for our lives were. And you know what's really interesting? I don't get those questions very much anymore. I used to get them all the time. I don't get those questions very much anymore. And I don't think it's only because I'm no longer in face-to-face interactions with students because I don't think we adults have it all figured out now that we're settled into our lives. We know what God's will for our lives is. We're on God's will. I don't think that's it. I think there's still some interesting nuances going on. I think culturally we've shifted Back then, everybody wanted to know what is God's, everybody was asking the question, what is God's will for me? And now, we're like, we go to God for what we want from Him, and we don't really ask the question, what does He want from us? Very much. And so we're like following God, and we're fitting God into our life, we really want God's blessing, we really want God's forgiveness, we really want God in our life, but we're not 
often asking the questions that I used to hear a lot because I think God has a specific calling for you. But we're going to start with this general calling, this calling you to eternity. So if you haven't filled those blanks in yet, I give you plenty of time. All right, here we go. We're going to go to 1 Peter 5.10 where he says, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. Now, let's slow that down. He's called you to share in his eternal glory. How? By means of Christ Jesus. That's pretty clear and specific. And what this means is, God is holy. We are not The only way that we can share eternity with a holy God when we are unholy people is by means of Jesus Christ. What does this mean? He had to die for our sins. That's what he came to do on purpose to offer himself as the fulfillment of all the Old Testament types in a sacrifice that actually works instead of pointing to what will work. It actually works where his sacrifice atones for our sins. Now, I'm going to go through some theology really really quickly. The first Adam came. We're all messed up since the first Adam came. We are descendants of the wrong choice before God. And ever since, all human beings' insides are twisted, bent, wanting the wrong things. A quick way, if you're a parent, you see this all the time. You ask your kid who's four years old, why did you do that? They go, I don't know. They don't. They honestly don't know. It's just messed up inside. And as they think about it, I don't even know why I did that. By the way, 30, 35, your wife says, why did you do that? I don't know. It doesn't really change. You can't really figure out why you just did that. There's something bent inside. And that's because we're all descendants of a broken humanity. Jesus came, and he's whole inside. He's the new Adam, and he lived a perfect example, a perfect life, but also did something to atone for our brokenness, and then he conquered sin and death and rose from the dead, and rising from the dead, he releases resurrection life, and because we're his atonement, he can release his life into our lives to straighten that up inside of us, and that's the starting point of how you are drawn to Jesus and called, and you say yes to Jesus. Now, as I was preparing for this message weeks ago, um, in my own regular reading, I was in Acts at the time, and there was a verse that just jumped out at me, and it's like, ah, this is what it looks like in the process of being called. It looks like this and feels like this. And the reason that's important to me is I haven't solved the mystery. Is how is it that we're individually called, and how is it that he calls all? Because he does. He individually calls people. He's wooing. His spirit is at work. And guess what? Good news is you're all here And you're here because God has been wooing you, arranging circumstances, caused you to want to be here, want to pay attention. So I ran into this verse that kind of describes how that works a little bit in Acts chapter 16. And so I just want to highlight it. A lady by the name of Lydia, if you go to Acts 16 for me. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia. So um, Luke is talking about he and Paul traveling from city to city. From the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, she was... Um, a business lady selling exotic purple dyed cloths who was a worshiper of God. That's code for, I'm not a Jew. I've abdicated all this false religion of all these idols and all these other gods. I, I believe this one true God of the Jews is the real one. And she became a worshiper of God. And she's gathered there with a a bunch of other God worshipers who are Gentile, and Paul starts to preach. And this this is the key. What does it feel like to be called? What does it look like to be called? The Lord 
opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. So Paul's opening up the revelation from God and speaking and, and teaching and something was happening inside the hearts of the people listening and that something that's happening is God is calling them, opening up their hearts and they want to pay attention. So by the way, if you fell asleep, <coughs> pay attention because God is opening your heart to pay attention. That's why you came. Some of you may not have come to the place, I'm not sure I believe all this stuff yet. I may not believe Jesus yet, um, but I'm interested. You're curious. You're being called. You're being wooed. God is opening your heart. You want to know more, and you're being drawn to these truths to see and consider and look. That's what it looks like and feels like. Now, there's reactions to the calling of God, especially when you start going beyond just the general calling. Maybe, maybe this thing about Jesus' death and resurrection is something that has something to it. When it goes to the specific call, like God has a plan for me, we get reactive. We get scared. It's like, uh, are you kidding? So just responding to Jesus is one thing. Point number two, it's bigger than that. Point number two is this. God called you to an assignment. Uh, no, not me. Who am I? I? You know, it's one thing for you do this for me. It's another thing if you give me an assignment. It's like that, for some people, you're like, you're kidding me. God, the almighty God, the wonderful God, cares enough about me to where he gives me, he knows me, has a specific assignment for me. I'm all over that. Really? Some people really get excited. Other people go, freak. No, I have my life planned. I've got a path. It works for me this way. I don't want him to go pull me off that path and go over here. And there's this fear thing. So I don't know which one you are, all right? But I do want to share with you that Peter had the reaction in his initial calling of the freak out thing. He was scared. And we're going to take a look at that in a moment. But first, let's look at 1 Peter 2.9. But you are not like that. For you are chosen people. You are royal priests. This is a big assignment. You are chosen people. You are royal pains in the neck. No, no, no. When I, in my culture where I grew up, I don't know if they still use this phrase, when royal was stated, you are royal, the next phrase was pain in the neck. And so it's just shocking to me that God's declarative purpose over life is, you're, he says, no, you're royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result of this, what God is saying in your life is true. If you've connected with Jesus, you now, the sinner connected with Jesus is going to have an eternity, but there's a special assignment with that, not just going to heaven. You're not in heaven yet. You got an assignment calling. This is it. Chosen people, royal priests, holy nation, God's very own possessions. As a result of this new identity, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So this is a huge assignment. So for some people, that's good. Don't ask me to do that. I can't do that. Priest? Are you kidding me? Not me. Now I want to go to Peter. Um, in his initial calling, it kind of goes like this. Um, he'd already been introduced to Jesus. Andrew introduced him to Jesus. He kind of interacted, listened to Jesus. Jesus is gathering crowds by now. And one time a crowd is gathering by Jesus on a shoreline. And Jesus 
sees Simon's boat. That was Simon's name before Jesus nicknamed him Peter. And he sees Simon's boat and he says to Simon, he's cleaning off his nets. He's been up all night long fishing. It was a dud night, no fish. And he says, can, you, can I borrow your boat? Okay. Peter gets into the boat with Jesus and puts off to the shore a little bit and speaks to the whole crowd gathered on the shoreline. And Peter's listening. He's dead tired. I wonder if he's paying attention. And as he's listening, the message comes to a close and he says, oh good, I can put everything away. Jesus says, now put out to the deep. Oh, master, I've, I've been fishing all night. There's just nothing today. Nothing. He says, put out to the deep. Cast your net out. And here's, I don't, this is what's going on inside of his head. This is not what he says. He's, what's going on inside of his head is, Jesus, now, you're a rabbi. I get your teaching thing. I'm the fisherman. That's my trade. I know the lake. I know this boat. I've been doing this all my life. I'm a professional. You're a professional teacher. I'm a professional fisherman. And now you're telling me what to do. He didn't say any of that. He said, Master, I've been fishing all night. It's a dud night. But because you say so, I'll put out the net. Wham, boom, the fish hit the net. The whole boat lurches. He almost falls out. And he goes, he sits down. Uh, maybe he had to secure the fish first. I don't know. He sits down. This is what he says. Now, Luke chapter 5. Here we go. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. What has just happened is what has happened with so many others when there's close proximity with the holy. It, it feels like, almost like your insides are undone. Certainly you get the holy ghost bumps. And, 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 and this reaction is that fear reaction where I want some distance. No, not me. And that's what he says. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. Here's the thing. Although Peter wants some distance, Jesus does not. And Jesus is calling Peter to draw closer. And in fact, this right here is proof positive for Jesus that Peter has the one required prerequisite to answer the call. He knows he's a sinner. And rather than being put off, nope, you've answered correctly. Peter, I want you to follow me and I'm going to totally change your vocation from a fisherman of fish to a fisherman of people. Come follow me. Do you realize what that required of him? I mean, he already has a career path. He has a family. We read that his mother-in-law is healed, so that means he had a wife. I'm not sure timing of all this and all that, but he then, it's like, I'm going to go to college. I got a free scholarship. A rabbi is finally recognized or asked me, who am I? I have no education. I don't know why this rabbi is asking me. I have no education, no training, no credentials. He wants me to follow him, go to college with him for three and a half years to totally have a whole new career. And he does it, drops his nets and follows Jesus. What does it feel like to be called? All of a sudden, God opens your heart and you're paying attention and you follow Overcome that fear. 
In Mark chapter 2, verse 17, the word call is here. And just theologically, we learn from Jesus. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's the prerequisite. If you think you've got it together, sorry, you can't follow me, I can't use you. Because you think by your self-help, by your confidence, by your abilities, that you've got it together, you're going to teach people how it works for you, and they're going to follow you. I need you to know you don't have it together. I will fix things inside. Now when you say, follow Jesus, this is what he did for me. Inside him, I was a mess. I was a lousy. I was a that. And Jesus is the answer. Now you've got it. You can follow Jesus then. And guess what? We need to know that we're a sinner, not just when we cross that first line where we say yes to Jesus. We know that we're sinners today in need of Jesus. I need a Savior today. I need Jesus. Heart opened. Here's my mess. Paying attention to you. Eyes on me. Come follow. Point number three. God's call to do flows from the new you. Let me explain that. So, I've already talked about how inside, born into the human race, we're all twisted and messed up. It's as God fills you with the new inside you that you can begin to follow him and have special assignments. Now, it works like this. When we ask the question, but Lord, what is your assignment for me? He says, hold on, hold on. You're thinking in terms of what you want to do. I, have, I need to work on you. And as I work on you, what you want to do will come out of the new you. Huh? Okay. So you've got to get the new you, and then what you do will just flow out of that. So just eyes on me, follow me, and as I shape you and mold you, the new you will come out. It'll be easy to know what to do as you can talk about how I'm doing this with you, and now you can help with somebody else. So here is the same thing in another way on a reflect paragraph that we'll look at together. If the inner you is not right, the outer do will never be right. Does that make sense? Inside, you're messed up. If you don't allow the grace of God to help in that area, you can try real hard and do things, but no, we want it to flow out of the life of the resurrected Jesus inside of you, and now you'll know what to do, and it'll be right. Who you are leads to what you do. God is concerned about your motives, your heart, your integrity. He's concerned with the hidden inner you. So if you don't know what God's will is for you right now, focus on the who, who you're supposed to be before God. Focus on your new identity in Jesus. Focus on growing in him and walk step by step. It's like riding a bike. Pedal with him, eyes on him. It's more like walking. Steps in his steps. And as you're walking with him, the new you comes out. Now it becomes clear what the new you's assignment looks like, okay? He's concerned with the hidden inner you. When we identify with Jesus, God gives us a whole new identity. 1 Peter 2.9, again, we read this. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people. This is great news. This letter, as you recall from last week, is circulating with the Gentile believers. They know the chosen nation is Israel. God chose them long ago with Abraham. And now... Abraham's seed is Jesus. When we connect with Jesus, we are now part of the chosen people. And that's great news for me because I'm not a Jew. 
And I'm now part of the chosen nation, the chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation. We're in the kingdom of God, and now it's borderless. It's not political. We're in the kingdom of God following the king and his reign in our life. He's the Lord, and we follow him. We're in this new kingdom. That's our identity. We're God's very own possessions. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Do you notice that we're told who we are and then as a result, we're told now you can show? It's not the other way around. We're told you are this and once you start to see that identity, now you can live this out and you can show it. So let's kind of zero in on those things a little bit. Chosen people. He chose me. And if he has called me, he'll equip me. Royal priests. And we're going, uh, are you kidding me? Like the black robes, the man of the cloth? No. What's a priest? A priest is one who's been set apart to be a mediator on behalf of God. And set apart to be a mediator. So, the Old Testament priests were consecrated, made holy, set apart to mediate between the people and God. Now we are priests. Every one of us who are followers of Jesus, we're now priests. Here's God that we know through Jesus Christ. Here's the people that are far from God that we know. We are the mediator. Let me introduce you to the God I know. And God, let me represent you well to this person because they're only looking at me. They're not really looking at you. And we show to them what God looks like. He forgave me, we forgive them. He loves me, we love them. He served me even though, oh, he shouldn't have served me. I didn't deserve to be served. We serve them, oh, even though they don't deserve to be served. And we show God by the way we're interacting with the person that we want to introduce God to. That's our assignment. And there are people in your life that God wants to reach and he wants to put you on that assignment. And you might say, well, you'd be better at it. He'll never reach them through me. He's going to reach them through you. And that's your assignment. Reflect. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. So if you're paying attention to Jesus, eyes on him, following him, looking in the mirror of Jesus, so to speak, to see who you are in reflection to him, drawing closer and closer and closer, now a situation pops up and you'll know what to do because you know who you are. I'm a priest. I'm a go-between. I'm God's representative. I need to love him and, sh and show him the, what God is like and you'll know what to do. And that's what he's called you to do. 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest, a holy nation. We didn't really cover this one yet. God's very own possession. Now let's just walk this through. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. The ransom price was the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He gave his life for you so that you are now his. When you said, yes, I do to Jesus in the new covenant, you buried your old life in the tomb with Jesus so that he could give you his life and you could walk resurrected life with Jesus, following Jesus. And when you say, but, 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 I have my life here. I'm, I'm, I want to do this here, Jesus. Hold on, hold on. You are not your own. I bought you. You said yes. 
You are my precious possession. You are not yours. Your body is not yours. Your time is not yours. Your money is not yours. All of this is mine. I have bought you with my life. You are my precious possession. But I don't want to go to Timbuktu. Don't be afraid wherever I call you. You are precious to me. You know that you're precious to me. I'm going to watch over you and care for you wherever I take you. Don't you think that where I'm going to take you is going to be the absolute best for you? Trust me. Oh, my. Whole new nuance of what it means to trust Jesus like a child. And follow Jesus like a child. No agenda, no self-will, no my. Okay, Father. Okay, Jesus. Your heart opens up. Your eyes are open. You pay attention. You're following Jesus. Reflect. We are in the king's kingdom through the new covenant. We are the new chosen people and we have an assignment. Allow the Spirit of God right now to impress upon your heart who the Spirit of God wants to reach in your circle and your influence. There are people that you know that are far from God that you have a relationship with. A coworker, a neighbor, a family member, a friend, an acquaintance. I don't know who it is, but right now, with your new identity in the forefront of your thinking, what is it you're supposed to do? 1 Peter 2.9 says, as a result of your new identity, you can show others the goodness of God. There's not, that's not that hard. Here's what we want to do. We want to argue with the wrong beliefs. We want to go into head-to-head, combative stuff. Your worldview is wrong. My worldview is right. Blah, blah, blah. And really, instead of tell... We're going to be more effective if we build a relationship that shows God's love, shows God's grace, shows who he is. Show. Love the way Jesus loved. Serve the way Jesus served. Forgive the way Jesus forgave. 1 Peter 2.15 reads, It is God's will that your honorable life should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Accusations are popping up all the time. I hate Christians because they're intolerant and they're narrow and they're blah, 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 blah. And it's not something to argue with. It's something to show by your honorable life that maybe you're not as hateable as they think. What is God's will for me? It says right there that your honorable life should silence by what you show. What is God's will for me? 1 Peter 2.21 says, God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. So they heap insults on you. Don't retaliate. Don't fight pride with pride. Don't fight arrogance with arrogance. Be like Jesus. He's your example following his steps. That means you forgive. You love them anyway. You bless them when they're cursing you. 1 Peter 3, 9. What's God's will for me? Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. This has been the heart of God from the beginning when he called Abraham, I will bless you. Now you be a blessing. And the nation after you will be a blessing to the whole world. And there's going to be somebody coming through you that's going to bless the entire world. And now we have been blessed through Jesus. And we've been blessed 
for a reason to be a blessing. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do. What is God's will for me? God's will for me is to love the one person that just hated me. God's will for me is to forgive the person that just hurt me. God's will for me is to serve that person the way Jesus would, showing something that they don't know what to do with. And then God opens their heart, they're paying attention, and it's like, this is curious. What is going on with you? And he will grant you more blessing. Peter said, get away from me. And then Jesus said, no, I don't want to get away from you. I know you. I'm calling you. I'm calling you by name. Pay attention. Eyes on me. At the end of his ministry, Peter blew it and blew it and blew it. And Jesus was restoring him. And in that restoration, part of it, Peter said, what about him? Talking about John. And Peter said, don't worry about him. He tells Peter what he needs to do. And in that message, it's implied that he's going to be taking places he doesn't want to go. And this letter is written, and he ends up going to places, led to places he wouldn't want to go. He was executed under Nero's regime by crucifixion. But when he found out how he was going to die, he says, I'm not worthy. I am not worthy to die that way. Crucify me upside down. And according to legend or tradition, that's how Peter died. Following in the steps of Jesus with humility. It's not about me. It's all about him. Where Jesus takes an uneducated fisherman and the entire world and the globe ever since are listening to the powerful words of a man who followed Jesus. He messed up and messed up and messed up and Jesus restored and said, follow me. Feed my sheep, tend to my lambs, care for others. And he did to his last breath. I'm following Peter who followed Jesus. Let's finish with this prayer, if I can read it. <laughs> Dear God, let me just read it for you so you can decide if you want to pray this. You loved me while I was really needy, even more needy than I realized. Lord Jesus, you cared for me by personally taking my pain. Give me eyes to see the needs of others and the heart to care for those who are hurting. God, you've given me an incredible new identity. I'm chosen by you and made to be part of your royal family of priests. You called me to good and to do good. So I'm asking you to give me the opportunities and the courage to live out my calling this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? If that's a prayer you're willing to pray, he'll help you. Let's pray it. Dear God, you loved me while I was really needy, even more needy than I realized. Lord Jesus, you cared for me by personally taking my pain. Give me eyes to see the needs of others and the heart to care for those who are hurting. God, you've given me an incredible new identity. I am chosen by you and made to be part of your royal family of priests. You called me to be good and to do good. So I'm asking you to give me the opportunities and the courage to live out my calling this week. Amen. So who is it going to be? 
Maybe you can tell me how you lived out your calling to just show Jesus. It may not be received, just show Jesus. Please don't leave today if you've got a prayer need and a burden on your heart. They've got a prayer team to pray for you, whatever that may be. Hope you'll come back next week because we're going to look at a different perspective in persecution. God bless you.